Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Silvia with VolReport.com on the Rivals Network. And with homecoming this weekend, Tennessee football is about to square off with UConn for the first time on the gridiron. So no better time than now to chat with Graham Chamberlain to get the gist on what this UConn team looks like this year. I asked this to everyone to start the show because I always think it's interesting to hear it from someone that covers the team's perspective. But what's kind of the vibe around UConn's football program right now? Obviously not the best start, but kind of fan base wise and inner team wise, what are the thoughts going on around campus? Um, the vibes are bad. <laughs> I guess we'll just start there. You know, this wasn't what the expectation was coming into this season. You know, last year in Jim Morris first season, you know, they were able to go six and six, make it to a bowl game. Um, I think that was kind of like the baseline expectation for this season as well. And obviously they're one and seven at a bowl contention. Um, <clears throat> so far, just the one win on the road against Rice. Um, so there's a lot of disappointment among coaching staff, among the fan base, especially, um, you know, they had the largest crowd for the opener against NC State since um, I think 2014. Uh, <clears throat> so it's kind of a big deal. And then to they played decently in that game, lost by 10 to the Wolfpack, and then lost pretty badly the next week to Georgia State, then to Florida International, and then really just kind of that the the, the fan base was kind of like, okay, mm -hmm. so we're back to the way it used to be. Uh, in terms of like the locker room, though, and the team itself, you know, um, by all accounts, they're still playing hard. Um, the coaching staff is still pleased with the effort. They've had some defections midseason, um, <clears throat> including their – uh, top two running backs to start the season. Um, they ended up entering the portal before the third and then after the fourth game, right. To, you know, to use their, their red shirt. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so there's that. Um, and, you know, Jim Mora said he'd be lying if, you know, that didn't have an effect on the team. You know, these guys that have been there for a while, they predated him. Um, and then all of a sudden they are gone. Um, it's had an impact on the team. Um, and then also this summer, there was the kind of the flirtation, the courtship with the Big 12. Um, and of course that didn't happen for UConn. And so I think that's, you know, they've said that's kind of also had, you know, a little bit of an impact. I think they kind of thought it was happening and it seemed like it was up until, you know, Oregon and Washington made their decision to go to the Big 10. And then, you know, all had broke loose after that. So um, I think it was something that they were kind of expecting and they kind of had a letdown, but they're still, they're still trying, you know, they're not losing. We're kind of in this weird spot now where it's like, you know, they used to be losing every game by 40. Now they're losing by, by, by three, by seven, by 10. And it's like, it's kind of a weird feeling. Like it doesn't feel better, but it's like you, it is better, but mm -hmm. it still doesn't feel great. Before we, we jump more into the football side of things, I do want to ask about just this matchup as a whole school-wise because obviously on the basketball court, women's side, this is a, a historic rivalry, one that, that's been played for a while, not being played this year, but but one that has a lot of history to it. And then Tennessee wearing some Summit blue accents uh, for Alzheimer's research in uh, the memory of Pat Summit, but 
the timing is, of course, uh, intentional, I would have to say, with UConn coming to town. So just what are your thoughts uh, as a whole on, on these two meeting on the football field for the first time and, and just uh, kind of squaring off in a different format than we usually see? Yeah, it is cool. Um, you know, anytime you get an opportunity to play and – an atmosphere like Neyland Stadium, like it's that's a that's a really cool thing. Um, you know, I I I still remember when this game was original. Well, when the series was originally scheduled, it was supposed to be a home and home back mm -hmm. in the Big East days, right? And then um, that would have been very cool to have Tennessee come to Connecticut, but I I understand why they're not. <laughs> um, and um, but yeah, I, I I think fans know Tennessee obviously very well between the women's basketball, the men's basketball, and football. Yeah. Um, so if the fan base really likes to see these kinds of games where they're playing against you know, known entities, um, I think the hope is that they'll compete. But um, I think it, it definitely has – definitely makes for exciting matchups for us, yeah. So last year six and six make a bowl game for the first time in what feels like forever and you said that was kind of the expectation heading into this year obviously not how it started what you, you touched on it a little bit earlier but is there has there been one big difference or maybe a couple big differences this season compared to last year that's led to that change i think so i mean <clears throat> a lot of it stems kind of on the offensive end and last year they had a very very strong running game um Four of those offensive linemen came back. The center, who was a transfer in from Dartmouth last year, he, he graduated, exhausted his eligibility. Um, and I think he was really a big part of the offense, much bigger than I think people really thought. Um, you know, last year, and it's hard to compare to last year in terms of the passing game because they, they ended up having to start a true freshman quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, third or second series of the first game of the season wasn't what the expectation was they really didn't have a lot of receivers most of them got hurt you know I think they were down three or four wide receivers you know by game three um so really hard to kind of build that chemistry and and really just thrown into the fire with guys you don't know and also you know receivers that quite frankly you know weren't good enough to create separation and, and get open. And, you know, they didn't even pass for 200 yards in any game last season. <clears throat> so very, very strong running game. And this year it's kind of balanced out a little more. Like they have a lot fewer rushing yards. I think they're averaging about 50-ish fewer rushing yards per game, but the passing game is up. You know, they've thrown for 250 yards, a couple, like two games in a row. First time that's happened. And I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think like maybe like a second Obama administration. Like, I don't know how long it's been. It feels like a very long time. So they just don't have, it, it also seems as if they don't have that clutch game. Like um, I'll give an example that I was talking about on Twitter yesterday. Um, I was kind of just looking at some like year over year stats and, you know, they, they were a pretty heavy, heavily penalized team last year, averaging about eight per game. They've gotten that down to five ga per game this year, but they've been at very, very inopportune moments. You know, mm -hmm. last weekend against BC, they had the ball in the fourth quarter. Um, BC, you know, strong run games. Just, they're just shooing clocks. So UConn's down seven. They have the opportunity to tie the game. Um, 
they get four penalties on this drive. You know, they're over, they're able to overcome a couple of them in, you know, second 20, third and 20, but it's hard to, you know, overcome, you know, three, three holding calls and a false start. It's mm-hmm. on, on, on a drive. That's, that's very, very important. The rest of the game, they only had one penalty. So it's like, they're just making mistakes when they cannot make mistakes. And I think it shows just how slim the margin really is for a team like this. Like they really have to play strong mistake-free football in order to be in the game and they've been in the games, but then they just haven't been able to just get over that hump and, you know, get the winning score, the winning field goal, the, um, another example is earlier this year against Utah state. If you look, you know, you see, they lost by a one, um, you know, they were up for a good portion of that game. They ended up losing the lead, do a two minute drill, get a touchdown at the end again, first time. And I don't know how long that's, that's happened. Um, extra point gets blocked with 40 seconds left. You know, it's just like, there's just these, these, these glaring mistakes that happen. And just to be quite frank, they're not good enough to overcome these things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest difference between last year. I mean, there's not a huge difference in, I don't think there's a huge difference in, in the production. I think they're a little bit of a deeper team than last year, but I think last season they ran into some, fortunate situations like Fresno state flying across the country to play. It's 50 degrees. They don't have Jacob Hayner. He's injured, right? That helps Boston college's entire offensive line injured last season, right? Mm-hmm. That helps Liberty. Hugh freeze is halfway out the door end of the year. <laughs> like, so like, they ran these situations and obviously you have to take advantage of these like UConn teams in the past still would have lost. So there's improvement there, but you know, it's hard to look at last year and say, oh, they were six and six. It's like, well, you know, the analytics really say, no, they really weren't. I mean, they probably were talent-wise and production-wise, probably a three-win team, but they were able to kind of just hard work their way into a few extra wins. And you think you're, you're seeing the regression of the mean this year. At the quarterback position, Taquan Roberson, former four-star guy out of high school, went to Penn State, found his way to UConn. How's he done this year? <clears throat> kind of whatever his, what are his strengths, what are his weaknesses, and his overall kind of season so far to this point at UConn? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I mean, he's been in college, I think, since 2019. He's 23. Um, but this season was the first year he started the game and finished the game. You know, he's he, he won the job last season out of camp. Um led UConn to a touchdown drive. It's opening drive against Utah State. Tears his ACL the next drive. Out for the season. Comes in this year, you know, we all kind of thought, watching practice, like this was going to be the guy coming out of camp. Didn't win the job. It went to uh, Joe Fignano, who's a transfer quarterback out of Maine, who worked with uh, Nick Charlton, who's the UConn offensive coordinator, back when he was head coach at Maine. So Fignano gets the job. He starts against NC State, Georgia State. He injures his shoulder. He's out. So Roberson comes in, you know, they're down 28 nothing, but he throws for a good amount, gets a couple of touchdowns. Like he looked pretty good. Um, but then you really started to see the the rust the next few games, you know, against Florida International, struggled a little bit. Against Duke, probably the only other team similar talent-wise to Tennessee this year. Um, it was a really tough game for him in the rain in East Hartford. Um Really came out strong against Utah State and Rice, able to get a win against Rice. Um, he is a pocket passer. He's a little bit on the shorter side. He's about 5'11", 
Um, but he, he can run. Um, I wish that he would, fr frankly, I wish he would run more. Um, I think he's, he, he's talented in that regard. Um, but he, he likes to sit in the pocket. You know, make, he makes his read. He has a strong arm. He's accurate. He's able to get out of the pocket and throw on the run a little bit too. Um, you know, fortunately for him, the offensive lines kept a pretty clean pocket this season. Um, I think they've been sacked twice in two games, but like that, that's a season high. You know, two per game. So he's able to kind of sit in there and make his reads, make his throws. Um, they do a lot of like read option, RPO kind of things. Doesn't keep it as much. Like I said, I wish he would. Um, but his game is he likes to sit in there, strong arm. They're going to try to establish the run. And then once that run's kind of established, he's going to go play action. And you know, he, like, he can throw it deep on you. So that's the game plan typically for them. Um, sometimes it takes a couple drives to get into rhythm, but that's, that's what you're looking at for Overson. Yep. You said that his pocket's been pretty clean this year. The offensive line has done a good job. And you said earlier too, that's a lot due to the production that returned from last year against an SEC defensive front though. Kind of how do you think that's going to match up? Tennessee's had a lot of success this year getting after the quarterback. Do you think UConn's going to be able to, keep his pocket mostly clean, let routes develop, let him use his arm, or how do you see that playing out? Hmm. I think it'll stay pretty clean. I think they'll be happy with um, the sacks allowed for this one or the hurries. Like I, I don't think that Tennessee will be living in the, the backfield the whole game. Mm -hmm. With that said, is he going to have enough time for the routes to develop? They're kind of slow developing to begin with, so I'm not super confident in that regard. Um, they're really going to have to try to just do quick throws, you know, quick slants, quick, you know, kind of cur curls out. They love to throw some screens. Um, that's going to be what he's going to have to do. He can scoot a little bit, so he'll get out of the pocket. He's pretty good at, at eluding the pressure. Um, I don't know that he'll be super comfortable in this game, but UConn does have, I mean, you know, starting right guard, Christian Haynes, um, you know, by all accounts, one of the most talented guards in the country, you know, certainly we're right now looking at about a third round draft grade. Um, so pretty strong for a team like Connecticut. Um, the, like I mentioned earlier, the center position has gotten better throughout the year, but it's still a bit of a struggle. Uh, and so that's going to be my point of focus is, you know, can Yakiri Walker is the center and then Chris Fortin sometimes comes in to, up for him can those guys keep the pocket clean can they open up any 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 lanes for the running backs you know they, they they like to try to get outside largely try to do stretch but you know last week against boston college the majority of the yards came off the a gap so they're gonna have to open that up <clears throat> um and you know a team like team like tennessee is gonna be so athletic that they're gonna get to the outside they're gonna meet you right there as soon as you're there so they really gotta try to get some openings up the middle and I I don't know how that's gonna happen uh through the air it's really been a three-man show looking at their statistics wide receivers Cameron Ross and Brett Buckman and then you go to tight end Justin Jolly as well just how have those three played or is there anyone else that's kind of entering the fold as a possible target for Roberson and just playmaker wise even running back, looking at that as well, you mentioned two guys you expected to be the the 
had guys out of the backfield no longer with the team. Just what's that been like at the skill positions across the board? Yeah, uh, Cam Ross, very talented young man, hasn't played a ton, a lot of injuries throughout his career, but he's back this year and he's been doing well along with uh, um, Brett Buckman, who's a transfer from, excuse me, from FCS Delaware. Um, then, of course, there's Justin Jolie. He really came on the scene last year. Um, I think there was a bit more expected of him this year. He's had kind of a case of the drops, just been unfortunate. A lot of the receivers have had cases of the drops this year. So that hasn't helped Roberson either with, uh, you know, rhythm because, you know, he'll put the ball right in their hands sometimes and it's, it's a drop. Um, in terms of who else you can expect from receivers, um, Kevin's Clercy is, is, is a guy that doesn't get a ton of targets, but he he's a reliable deep threat. So he's kind of going to be someone like, you know, you're not quite thinking about him. You're more focused on Ross or Jolie, you know, and all of a sudden Clercius is busting out for a 30-yard game. So he's someone that I would certainly look to, um, especially in the red zone. You know, he's pretty tall, he's pretty big. Um, similar to Jolie, he can create some matchup issues because like Jolie's really – he's a tight end, um, kind of like has like tight end body but receiver athleticism. So he causes mm-hmm. some, some matchup issues. Um, and at running back – um, so Victor Rosa is kind of considered the, the main running back. He injured his ankle against South Florida a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, excuse me, missed the uh, Boston college game last week. Cam Edwards slide, slid in. He was a converted defensive back or came into UConn as a running back, went to defensive back, back to running back, has had a couple strong games, including 150 yards against South Florida. So those are going to be your two guys. Um, and if they get into fourth and short or a goal line situation, they will hand the belt ball off to defensive lineman Jelani Stafford, who leads the team in touchdowns. 300-pound um, former running back in high school, much more athletic than you, you give him credit for. He can kind of leap a little bit, too, if he needs to. Um, so goal line situations and if they, any short yardage that he, you know, they're going to they're gonna hand off to him. Um, the announcers will go nuts. They're going to love it. <laughs> it's been pretty popular this year. Um, but in terms of the skill positions, you know, it, it goes as far as the offensive line will go. Um, and I think the running game has been strong. It's there, there hasn't been as much of a reliance on the run game this year. as Like last year, they, they, they needed to run because you just were not going to convert on third and six, third and seven. Etc. They weren't going to get those yards of the air. And this year, that's changed. So I say it's an improvement in that regard that they're getting more production out of the passing game. But they're definitely a run-first team. They're going to want to establish the run. Um, and Jim Morris said it several times this year, but receivers got to catch the ball. It's just, <laughs> you know, eventually it kind of just gets to that point where it's like, you know, Roberson's putting it where it needs to be. You got to catch it. That's not much more to it than that. Everyone talking about Travis Hunter this year, but Jelani Stafford, 27 tackles, half a sack, and then he's got 21 yards on 12 carries and, and six touchdowns. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that that will be a, a hot topic of discussion if UConn gets in a, a short yardage situation and he comes out on the field. I'm sure that that'll be uh, mentioned by the announcers, talked about in the press box. Fans will love it. Uh, it's something interesting to look out for. Let's talk about the defense though. How have they performed this year and how do you see them matching up against Tennessee's offense that hasn't been bad by any means this year, but isn't necessarily at the level it was a year ago with Hendon Hooker and company at the helm. Yeah, that's helpful. 
Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, doing my previews and things I was looking at last year, and I was like, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so the defense is interesting. It's been a bit of a letdown, I would say. Um, most guys came back, but they had two starters at linebacker and Ian Swenson and Brandon Boyer-Randall, two guys that were uh, six-year guys, and then, then Boyer-Randall had a seventh season. Right, So these guys were super veterans, um, along with Jackson Mitchell at the inside linebacker position, who you know 140 tackles last year, leaves the team again in tackles this year. He's very productive. Um, something that's interesting about the UConn defense is they don't have a defensive coordinator. So Jim Moore is the head coach and the defensive coordinator. And I think that it's starting to kind of become an issue. It worked out last year. Um, but, you know, now having to replace that that production of those two super senior leaders um, in the linebacking position has not been as good as it's been. The team is I believe they they lead the country in missed tackles. Um, looking at PFF, they're the worst tackling team in the nation. They're and second to last is pretty far away. So they've really struggled with with tackling and. You know, I don't think it gets better when you're playing a team like Tennessee. You know, you really have to wrap up and you need to be sound when you tackle. And I just, I worry. <laughs> um, they play, you know, pretty loose, not a lot of, um, not a lot of man coverage. They play a lot of zone. Um, it's really like a, a bend, not break philosophy. So they'll give you yards. You know, like last week, Boston College, I think had 460 or something like that. Um, only 21 points. You know? mm-hmm. So like that's that's the that's the strategy. They're they're going to try to hold you to three. They're going to try to get you kind of like in in no man's land. You know, try for a long field goal, something like that. Um, but you'll definitely get yards within the 20s. Um, the the strength I would say coming into the year in, is the defensive line. You got guys like Eric Watts. You have Jelani Stafford, um, Damon Cordine. You know these guys are. Also veterans, you know, pretty productive. They don't get a ton of pressure, but they're good at stopping the run. You know, I mean, it's in terms of who've been the best tacklers, probably them. Um, but again, that's not saying much because it's the worst tackling team <laughs> in the country. Um, secondary is still a bit of a work in progress. They have two strong safeties, not the, not, not the position, but two good safeties. Um, in Durante Jones and Malik Dixon-Williams. Um, Dixon-Williams has struggled a little bit this year with some injuries. Missed a couple games. <clears throat> um, and then at the cornerback position, you've got Mumu bin Wahad, who's a transfer from West, West Virginia. He's come in and has played very well, as well as um, the other side, you've got Damon Brinson and Malcolm Bell kind of splitting time. Um, so again, you're going to sit back in the zone. They'll give you yards. They're going to try to keep keep the field in front of them um, and then really try to get some pressure in the red zone. But how do they match up against Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee's fast. You, know, you got guys like squirrel white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who on the defense can really can match up with him. Um, so I think you'll see even more zone and you're going to, they're going to try to just keep, you know, kind of like baseball, like, you know, no yeah. double depth, you know, sure. like that's kind of how it's going to be. Um, so I'm sure there'll be, a, um, you know, Joe Milton will have a high completion rate. And I think Jim Moore will be fine with that as long as they can kind of keep him out of the end zone at some points. 
So Tennessee fans, don't be too concerned if Joe Milton isn't hitting on the deep ball too much because it probably won't be there. Sounds like another game where he's looking more in the intermediate in the, the short game, throwing the ball and obviously expect a big rush attack from Tennessee as usual as well. But Graham, before we get out of here, you don't have to give me an exact score if you don't want to, but I'm interested to hear how you see this game playing out. Who you see winning about the margin, something in that ballpark of how you see this one going down on Saturday. I got a score. I'm okay. going with same score as the Duke game. I think 41 to seven Tennessee wins. Um, kind of like I see like a, like a backdoor cover kind of okay. maybe like a late touchdown. I, um, I really think that UConn is going to struggle moving the ball. And I think the defense will, I think it might surprise people a little bit, but you know, you can only be on the field so long against a team like Tennessee. Yeah. So I think eventually, you know, it might start off with, I can see this going one of two ways. I can see it either Tennessee starts off hot, get some scores, and then they kind of like stagnate for a little bit, maybe get a couple of late scores. Or the opposite, UConn comes out strong on defense. They're not going to be scoring. But, you know, Tennessee might have maybe seven, 14, 17 points at the half, something like that. And then eventually the dam kind of breaks. Um, so that's my thinking. I, I, I think that UConn really just wants to – to, to compete and show like, you know, we're not that bad. We, you know, I don't think we're as bad as our one and seven record is, but at the end of the day, you are as bad as your record is. Yeah. You are, you are what your record says you are. So I think they're kind of, they're going to want to prove that they can belong. And a lot of these guys are probably passed over by sec schools, especially those that are right from South Carolina, Georgia, et cetera. Um, so they'll have something to prove, but you know, the talent differentials is going to be too much. Graham, thank you for joining. Tell everyone where they can follow you on social media, where they can read your work and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, you can look my name there, Graham Chamberlain. Uh, my handle is Paws Arf Blog. That's the name of the stadium, Pratt Whitney Stadium at Rachel Field. That's the acronym. Um, and then also at Connecticut.rivals.com. We've, you know, sort of transitioned over to some more basketball talk now that yeah. um, the football season is, you know, not at a bowl contention, but you can still read my football stuff over there. And if you're interested in basketball, we'd love to hear from you. Reigning national champions, hard not to be excited for yeah. UConn season this year in Tennessee with the pretty good men's hoops team as well. So it could be a possible Final Four Elite Eight matchup in the NCAA tournament. So make sure you head over to UConn Report and get all of that information ahead of this football game and basketball season as well. Thank you, Graham, for hopping on the show. Make sure you guys also head over to VolReport.com for all of your Tennessee information that you need. As, like we just talked about, basketball season is here. Men's team had an exhibition yesterday. Women's team an exhibition the day before that. Baseball fall practice is going on. And, of course, we are right in the thick of football season. So head over to VolReport.com for all the information across the big sports here in Knoxville. Thank you guys for watching. Links to everything you need is in the description.